The biggest hurdle between me and eating healthy, delicious meals for lunch is decision fatigue. Honestly, by the time lunchtime rolls around, I've already made like a thousand decisions from what my toddler should wear to how much I want to argue with her about how you have to brush your teeth in the morning, you know? <laughs> for sure, for sure. No, I absolutely agree. And like I have taken to doing meal preps or like buying a bunch of ready to eat meals to like heat up quickly. And I recently tried Factor. And let me tell you, Factor is like 12,000 steps above and beyond any ready to meet eat meal I have ever tried before. That's right. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef curated, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started and get after your goals. I tried the two-minute meals where I could fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. And they also offer pancakes, smoothies, and more. There's a wide variety of easy options throughout the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Plus, there's no prep and no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup required. Factor is also flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor is the perfect solution when you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. And you don't want to make any more decisions because you're exhausted, like me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 and use code justbreakup50 to get 50% off. That's code justbreakup50 at factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 to get 50% off. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like living next door to your in-laws, mm. how to date, and dumpster fires behind closed doors. Mm. Yeah. My, my favorite kind of dumpster fire? I don't think so. Mm. Okay. I think all right. No okay, dumps, okay. dumpster fires can be just our favorites. Curious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed mental health professionals. And so, you know, we're making it up as we go yeah, along. This is totally we this is lived experience. But, <laughs> but sometimes not, even not even. Yeah, lived. <laughs> sometimes it's wild speculation about other yeah. people's lives. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So this is all to say we are not professionals. So please take our advice as you see fit. We are only here to offer our humble musings. And that's about it to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. Before I get into this week's check-in topic, I want to announce that we are having a huge Black Friday sale this year. So, so, so much so that it is like a week-long Black Friday sale. It's kind of Love like it. what how I used to celebrate my birthdays in my 20s. You know, I would be like, it's not just like one day, it's the entire week, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, definitely stopped once we were out of our 20s. That's real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so this is all to say our... Um, 
Our annual holiday sale, let's call it that, is going to be running from the day this episode debuts. That's November 22nd, Monday, mm-hmm. no- November 22nd, all the way to November 29th, end of the day, the 29th. So you have a week to take advantage of this holiday sale. We are doing 20% off orders of $30 or more. off orders of $60 or more, and 40% off orders of $90 or more. We have t-shirts, we have sweatshirts, we have tote bags, mugs, pint glasses, stickers, magnets, all sorts of good Just Break Up merchandise. And remember, when you buy something from our store, you are directly supporting us as an independent business. You're supporting Mm -hmm. the sustainability and success of our podcast, and I will ship that shit to you directly. So I will have touched your shit. (laughs) (laughs) It will have literally been sitting in her home. Yeah, literally. I'm, I'm like looking at my merch closet right now. Yeah. There's a chance that my wife will have touched it, too, if you're like really, you're like super fans. <laughs> There's a chance that Opal might touch it as well. You know, my biggest fear is like she'll hang it out in the studio with me when I'm filling orders. And my biggest fear is that I'll get tiny little Opal ha- hairs on, <laughs> on the merchandise. <laughs> like when I fold it on the like my yeah, studio's yeah, yeah. guest bed merch housing and the recording studio and so i'll fold the t-shirts on the bed where she's like hanging out is that unhygienic does that sound gross i'm really sorry <laughs> that does not sound gross to me but i can it's imagine for sure brand. that there are listeners I, who are this like is literally, <laughs> this is just who we are <laughs> i really try not to have hairs on our products oh my god spencer's gonna hate this ad read <laughs> this, this, this promo <laughs> Anyway, please take advantage of this holiday sale. Like I said, it directly supports the sustainability of our podcast, and you can get your gifts from a small business like ours. So uh, you can find all this merchandise at JustBreakUpPod.com, and the sale is running for the entirety of this week, Monday through Monday. Awesome. I can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait for people to get their things that they need. (laughs) Without dog hairs on them. (laughs) Yes. Or with, if that's your thing. (laughs) I totally regret saying that. (laughs) All right. Authenticity. (laughs) Okay. So uh, I'm actually excited about this check-in topic because I, A, know nothing about it, and B, was very intrigued by it. So um, I screenshotted this from an article I saw on on Twitter from uh, CNBC, which reported that 43% of adults say they have financially cheated on their partners. Um, and that could, I know, interesting, right? So before we like just muse about it for a couple of minutes, that could include um, committed a financial deception, hit a purchase, bank account statement, bill or cash, lied about finances, debt or earning. And this is mm. um, some 43% of adults with combined finances in a relationship. So we're talking oh, people who, I know. I don't know if that means like that they share bills or if they share, like, you know, I know you and Peter obviously share bills, but you don't share bank accounts, whereas Willow, Willow and I share a bank account. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure where the um, line is there. Um, and the source is a survey conducted by the Harris Poll on behalf of the National Endowment of Financial Education among <clears throat> over 2,000 U.S. adults in June of 2021. So let's talk about it. Fiscal cheating is what they're calling financially cheating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Feelings, thoughts, observations. Um, 
Yeah, it's interesting to me because like Peter and I have some privacy in our bank accounts because we don't share necessarily a bank account. And like, I honestly don't really care what he's spending his money on as long as he's like still contributing to the things that I expect him to like help pay for. Yeah, totally. Um, like, it's none of my business what he's spending money on. Like, he's his own person and he can have his own hobbies. Would you feel the um, same way if you had the same bank account? I think I would feel differently if it was yeah. like our pooled money, for sure. Um, which I think is one of the reasons why we didn't combine make accounts is because I was like, I don't want to be in a position where I'm tracking what you're spending and like yeah, micromanaging you or like feeling a certain type of way about it. So like, you know, if you, you know, pay your part of the mortgage and like pay the electric bill and like all of that stuff, which like, you know, we consistently do. And we're like also talking about like we share finances too when it comes to like the Mm -hmm. future. Yeah. So like, you know, we have, we've been working over the course of the last few months on like what our financial plan is for the future and intentionally like investing money into things and like being smart. Um, So like, we're really honest about, the the brass tacks or like the important aspects of our financial stuff of like how much we make and how much debt we have and how much that stuff is happening but i think we're lucky that we're both have similar thoughts about finances that we are both like similar levels of financially healthy as well although there's like discrepancies in income and stuff um so that i don't have to worry about it like i can again it's really easy to trust trustworthy people like peter's really trustworthy so it's like you know you bought that record i don't know how much it costs i don't care because i know that you're gonna also like be able to pay for groceries and i know that how much you're investing in your like retirement account so that we can like have a sound financial future together so i don't know does that does that make sense i think that makes total sense and i'm actually glad you talked about your finances in that way because you're desire to avoid that sort of conflict is the reason why Willow and I set up something that we call NQA (laughs) in our in our financial plan. So we share a bank account and then every month part of our budget is that we get a chunk of money that we each get. It's almost like we give each other allowances that you cannot Mm -hmm. ask questions about. (laughs) Like the NQA for me is like I fucking love being a basic bitch and getting Starbucks. You know what I mean? And I would feel, and Willow is a little bit more, uh, that's not her jam. She doesn't like treats. I'm I'm very treat oriented like a dog. (laughs) And, (laughs) um, and so now I don't have to explain to her why I spend, you know, $60 on Target every month or, I mean, I mean, not Target, uh, Starbucks or whatever, you know what I mean? Um, sure. Because we have this part of our income that is NQA that we can't see what the other person spends. And in that way, too, there's some privacy in terms of gift giving. <laughs> there's some privacy in terms mm-hmm. of buying for your own goods or whatever. Um, so we set that little like and we can we always like not vote, but we always discuss the amount of money that's going to be every couple months so we can adjust it. So that's one way that you can sort of avoid the conflict of mm-hmm. feeling anxiety over your um, partner's spending. Um, for me, I the fiscally fiscal cheating or whatever, when I think about what would 
trigger me to do that. It would be something that the NQA kind of covers, something that I feel ashamed, like I'm doing something wrong, or I'm assuming that my partner would be mad at me about that, like buying more pillows from Target or whatever. And... um, And I would hide it because I would want to avoid the conflict. All not necessarily healthy things, right? <laughs> um, sure, I, I'm sure. More just like painting the picture of how this could happen. Um, and I'm sure there are bigger reasons. Like remember the letter writer who talked about um, spending their savings because they got addicted to online shopping over the pandemic mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, I think it comes down to the fact that like like things, like those hot topics, things that rule our cult, our society but nobody talks about like sex you know what i mean money uh-huh. also is everywhere we don't really talk explicitly about it and we're not taught to and it's taught to uh, it, it's we feel a lot of shame about money right and our financial choices mm-hmm. and we also because we live in a soulless capitalism it teaches us that p- people who make bad choices with their money or or don't have a lot of money or have debt or whatever are, quote, unquote, bad people, which we have to then do the unschooling and tell ourselves we're not a bad people. We're not bad people for um, not succeeding in a soulless capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Like, I think you would agree, you know, having shared financial goals with a with a partner, having fiscal transparency. Even even fiscal empowerment, like for me, like taking control of my finances, even if I don't make a lot of money, I I I no longer am afraid to look at my bank account because I don't think that it equates my goodness or my lovability mm. as a partner. Um, I think it's really important. I, we're getting a little off topic in our check in topic, but that, I think they're all connected, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that finances and money is like one of the big things that hurts relationships or like affects relationships in negative and positive ways, Mm -hmm. probably. Um, So yeah, I think getting really practiced at being honest about your finances with your partner is going to serve people well in the long run. Um, Which is why it's so funny that 43% of people are like, well, it makes so much sense to me because (laughs) so literally I would be like, Like I was trying to, I was trying to, you know, mark the path that would lead me to this in my relationship in which we have some financial Mm -hmm. privacy, but we also have shared finances. And it would literally be because I didn't, because I felt ashamed or I felt fear of the potential conflict, you know, and I think that's Mm -hmm. just like a general societal thing that we fear conflict. Um, And for me and my makeup, it would also be like, I would I would be afraid that I was a bad person because I made this financial choice or something or just like general like fucking secrecy, you know, (laughs) like I was like, Mm -hmm. I really want this new rug. And Willow's like, we don't need a new rug. And then I was like, look, a a new rug like just showed up at our house. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. (laughs) How do you hide that? How do you even get away with that? Somebody just sent us a free rug. I don't know. I do (laughs) know that there are some like darker corners of fiscal deception um, that I've like either read about in articles or seen on television where people like hide purchases. Um, You know, they they bring in the Amazon boxes and hide them in their car or whatever. So I don't mean to make light of all of that. Um, But the core of it, I think, is the idea of goodness, the idea of what makes a good, worthy partner, you know, in in a capitalism um, and shame. Oh, my God. Shame is at the root of everything. 
And the only way to disempower shame is to bring it into the light. So if you're if you're hiding some financial secrets, um, just know that you're not a bad person and that it's time to talk about them. Secrets lose sure. their power when they're shared. And I also think that there's like our narrative around relationships is that like privacy can't exist in yes. relationships either of like you have to tell your partner every single thing, which then like sets us up to fail because then, you know, like if I knew how much money Peter was spending on graphic T-shirts with like themes <laughs> of his favorite movies, like maybe I would be upset about yes. it. I don't think I would. But like, you exactly. know what I mean? But if it's like, but I'm like, it's not my business. Exactly. Right. Like if he's if he's paying what he needs to pay, it's not my yes. business. Like go live your life and spend it on whatever you want. It to. challenges so not like, only our, our understanding of privacy, but our understanding of control in relationships. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And you know, like if they, we got to a point where there was an issue where he wasn't able to pay stuff, like I also would think that I would be sort of like curious yeah. rather mm-hmm. than like, like you've done something wrong. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that's, I do want to like create space for the idea that like, maybe it's not deceptive. Maybe it's just like being private yeah. and being like, this isn't necessarily your business. Yeah. Like, how can we set us up like what you and Willow do for success? I saying, love like, our NQA there's system. There's stuff where you like... Mm-hmm. You don't you don't get to you don't need to know about that because like because then there's no shame. She can't even like if I come home with with a new pillow from Target and a new sweater and like a latte, you know, she'll just say, oh, I'm so glad you had a great day instead of did you need those things, you know? Right. And this shame about like, to be clear, financial health or like making good purchases is like capitalist bullshit that keeps us thinking that it's our fault that scarcity and capitalism and poverty exists and not the fault of folks who are exploiting us mm-hmm. <laughs> and others in pursuit of their own financial gain. So, like, you know, it distracts us from the real issues of capitalism, which is to say that, like, there's baked in inequality that allows for rich folks to make more money off of the backs of folks who are laboring. Right, so. right. <laughs> In case you didn't know, I was a socialist. Um, <laughs> heads up, here we and are. I love that I shouted out Starbucks and Target like multiple times. <laughs> so like, just so you know, I'm a capitalistic pawn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway. All right. Listen, when the when corporations are our only means to like get things from things and like, what are we supposed to do? Shop locally. Again, the lie of like. Starbucks is legitimately like destroying small businesses, but then it's our fault that we're not going to small businesses. And it's like, okay, interesting. Interesting Interesting how you turn that on me. (laughs) That also just so just so you guys know my heart, like those are not the only two places I go to. Those are the examples, the broad universal examples so that I don't have to list off like the 10 local coffee shops I patron. Okay. anyway, (laughs) give us a little breathing room. Oh, man, this podcast means that I can never run for public office. It'll be fine. (laughs) That's a shame. All right. Do you want to get into our letters? Let's do it. All right. Our first letter comes from Capitalism is Pain. I absolutely agree. (laughs) Uh, Whose pronouns are she, her, and who is writing from New Ugly Jersey. Sorry, New Jersey people. I've never I've been there one time. (laughs) It seemed fine. (laughs) Hello, Sam and Sierra. First of all, thank you for your time and all the good energy that you spew from your heartwarming community building platform. I have been listening to JBU for more than two years now, and it has gotten me through so much with one particular relationship, one that has ended in marriage. 
I am married to an amazing man that is extremely supportive, kind, and thoughtful in approaching all things good and bad in the experience of being married. We've been married for over a year now and generally have had really good problem-solving skills. Besides arguing over not meeting each other's needs via our love languages every blue moon, we really don't have any foundational problems. This is where the butt comes Mm -hmm. in. Recently, we have been house shopping, looking for something affordable and local to his family and with an easy commute to our work in the city. Out of nowhere, my in-laws neighbor decided to sell their house and immediately my husband's parents, who are extremely well off, said they are buying the neighbor's house for us. My husband is happy because he is looking at it in a non-objective fashion. It's a free house and it's next to his family. I feel like I had no real say in the decision to actually move there. I am hesitant because beyond not really liking the house or the neighborhood, I feel really anxious about living next to my in-laws and his other siblings who also live on that block. I come from a traditional upbringing with a culture that doesn't really create boundaries between family and privacy. I am afraid moving there means I will be constantly expected to see his parents who live next door when I really don't have an unlimited capacity to socialize with his family. I'm ashamed to admit it, but as good as they can be, I often find some of the conversations we have irritating and I generally find it hard to relax around his family. My husband has assured me that I will be able to establish my personal boundaries when I live there and that I won't be uncomfortable if I communicate my expectations to his parents properly. I also don't feel at ease with the whole decision because in the process of debating moving to that house, I fell in love with other properties that were way cheaper and had better commutes to my workplace, but they were shut down with the ultimate decision made to Mm. buy on the same street. More than that, I feel like I was berated by his parents and siblings for not immediately being excited about the prospect of being their neighbors. To them, I am rude and inconsiderate, but for me, I feel like I'm being forced into a life decision that I'm not comfortable with, and I just feel berated and attacked in the process of voicing my opinion. I was ready to commit to a lifelong marriage to my with my husband, but I naively am not ready to be married to his family. What could I possibly do? My husband really wants to move there and I don't. We are at odds. I feel stuck and I am afraid I will resent him down the line for making this life decision for me, especially when I know his mother, who is often a source of anxiety for me, will be constantly hovering near my supposed safe space. I am afraid his family's tendency to get involved in our relationship will cause bigger problems down the line and end up with us in more conflict. I feel like I have to move and compromise when every cell of my body is against it. Or I have to recognize that we may not be compatible one year after marriage. I don't want to leave him or make this so high stakes, but I feel like if I compromise, I will be upset Mm -hmm. and unhappy with my living standards. And if he compromises, he has to taint his relationship with his family. The situation really fucking sucks. And I would really appreciate your advice on problem solving on or off the show. P.S. I am new to New Jersey and I don't have any friends and family here. And my family lives in another state. A part of me already feels like I am compromising on where I live because I don't really like New Jersey or want to stay here in the long run. A house next to his parents feels very permanent. Do I have cold feet? Mm. All right. Capitalism is pain. Thank you so much for writing and for sharing this big old juicy pickle that you are in. Um, For sure. I read when I was like prepping for this episode. I read this letter out loud to my wife, Willow, while she was like stretching on the floor. Um... And every like every new detail I added, you know, it doesn't it at let me paint you a picture. You know, a 38-year-old who does CrossFit <laughs> whose body is always like tired and sore. So she's stretching and already making like a uh noises as she stretches. And then like every new detail that I read from this letter, she she was like, Oh God, oh no, oh no, oh God. 
<laughs> it's a real pickle. Yeah, it's a real yeah. pickle. No, it is. It's it's a complicated, juicy pickle um, that is not a life situation that I would want to find myself in, even though there's a fucking free house in it. So let's just acknowledge sure. that it's, it's a very complicated situation. Um, and uh, like, I, I see a way through this that might, uh, like that isn't necessarily a deal breaker for your relationship. Um, I see a way through this, mm-hmm. but first let's talk about just like how, what a emotionally complicated situation this is, particularly because, and I'm glad, I'm glad I have the opportunity to talk about this generosity, which is real and often very beneficial and often palpable, right, in people's lives. Generosity disguises and shadows boundaries and gives people a sense of entitlement to us. Mm. And that makes navigating choices and boundaries in in the lake of generosity that much harder, right? It pulls on our heartstrings. Mm-hmm. It, it makes those boundaries feel like we don't have a right to them. You know, I have somebody in my life who has very supportive in-laws, um, and yep. those in-laws feel entitled. Dare I say, act like are entitled in their mind to certain decision making um, and access in this family because of their generosity. And um, mm-hmm. the truth is they just aren't. They they're, you know, they it's just such a sticky, comp- <laughs> sticky, complicated situation. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And like this is this is a prime example of like the golden rule versus the platinum rule Ooh, where it's like the, the golden the rule is rule? like do unto other do unto others as you would you would have them do unto you and the platinum rule is like treat others the way that they want to be treated right as opposed to like imposing your own sort of beliefs or mm. ideas or projecting what you would want onto somebody how? else instead be curious and be like what do you want and how can i help and support you in that thing that you want right? i've never heard that before in my entire life and <laughs> It, is that like a thing? Is that like a thing I was? Yeah, I should have yes, been on. Yes, it is. Yes, I did not. I did okay, not make cool. it up. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to everyone else in my life who have never said that to me. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Um, that's a great distinction. Um, it is. So, like, honestly, this generosity is like a dick move. Like, it seriously is. Like, that's how I feel about it. Like this. It's a dick move to say, like, I'm going to do this really big thing for you that you can't really see, say no to that you don't actually want. Like, that's not generosity. That is just like you imposing what you want on somebody well, if else. If it was presented in I a w- different think, way, it wouldn't be, you know, if it was like, we'll do this if you want it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like there's a house available and we would love to pay for it or saying something like, hey, we know we have enough money to buy a house for you. Where would you like yeah, to live? Yeah, I was live? just going to say, How like, we help why the, support what that about the you? other houses? <laughs> like, where did this offer, where was this very generous, like I said, palpably life-changing offer? For where sure. was that offer before? <laughs> right. No, absolutely. And it's And here's the thing is that when we're generous, when we're pretending to be generous, or when we think we're being generous, mm. right? Because I don't want to, I don't want to pretend like your in-laws are like bad people. Yeah. I think that they probably thought they were doing well, something I, really I, nice. But when, I, I, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But like, I love the distinction you made because, um, 
because they are generous. This is generous, but you can, it's the same way that you can be like a nice person and a racist. You can be, (laughs) you can be being generous and also being um, insensitive, being, you can overstep, you can blah, blah, blah. Sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. And then when we point out the insensitivity of the gift, then it becomes like this thing where it's like, oh my God, I can't believe how ungrateful you are. Do you not Mm -hmm, see how mm -hmm, generous mm -hmm. I am? And it's like, that's not what I said. Right. I, I think what you're doing is generous and it's also mm-hmm. insensitive. And those those things can be true at the same time. But it's hard for folks to to recognize that it would be hard for me to recognize that, too. If somebody was like kind of a if I did something really big for somebody and they were like, this is nice, but it's absolutely not what I wanted. I, I don't know that I would be a dick about it, but like I could imagine a space where I could be a dick about well, it. I think so, you'd like, be. Uh, let's humanize everyone. You'd be disappointed. You'd be a little hurt. Yeah, you know, it's sure. not like, oh, sure. fuck you. It'd be like. Oh, my gift isn't what you want it. I mean, there's there's space for human hurt yeah. in that, you know, especially for when sure. it's a fucking sure. house. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think as you approach this situation with your husband and with your in-laws, I think that you can affirm, affirm, affirm that what they've been doing is incredibly generous. Mm. And you are so thankful for their generosity and you are so thankful that they would be willing to do something like this for you. And like, make sure that that is really clear and that it's seen and that you're sort of pushing back against the house, the location isn't about them and their generosity, which you're very thankful for, but more so that like, this doesn't align with what, what you envisioned your future to be with your husband and like, and coming in it in a way of saying like your in-laws aren't, you're all on the same team, right? You all have these shared, this shared thing where like they want you to be happy. You want to be happy. That happiness might look different depending on like who you ask, but of being like, we're all on the same team. You're being so kind. You're being so supportive of us. And I just have a different vision yeah. or, and I just think we should be doing something differently. Um, and that might be hard for them to hear, right? Like people, you know, we're not always good at complexity as, as humans in this, no. in this world. You, you consider them on the same team? I I, th- I didn't think about that. And I really, I like that is that if we shift our thinking away, because I was like, you and your husband are def- definitely need to feel like you are teammates, problem solvers, solvers together in this. But I, I wasn't picturing the in-laws in this and that like actually like humbled me a little and like, I think opened me up to the universe to receive people's love a little bit better but also like they might have opposite they might be in opposition to your boundaries at times for sure but that doesn't mean that you're not on the same team right like they might they might have a different vision for what they want from you but at the end of the day they're trying to be supportive of you right they're trying to offer you something kind right right? they're trying to be nice they're trying to help set you and your husband up for future success by buying this house for you which is like something that not a lot of people get so like you are on the same team you might have disagreements or conflict about what the vision looks like or how to get there but but i think if you can approach it in that way in the way of sort of bringing folks together around this and being like we're not working against each other We have we might have different ways of getting to the thing, but like at the end of the day, like our values are that like we are set up for success or that we are happy. And here's how you could actually make yes, us happy. Totally. Right? Here's how this could actually be really supportive of us. And I recognize that you and your husband are sort of on different um, different ideas as mm-hmm. well. And that is like really, really tricky. Like so it's not tricky. even just the in-laws. It's also like there's a there's a yeah. rift in the house. Um but again, you and your husband are on the same team. I, 
And yeah. it's like the, you have the infinite capacity to be able to work through this. And buying a house is a big thing, but it doesn't have to be forever. That's too. what I wanted to say <laughs> from the way that I read. And you might disagree, but from the way that I read the letter, it kind of feels like this decision is made, especially since there's a lag time between when we answer the letter and when you submit it. Um, so right. I I'm going to answer this. Well, and I think I would have said this, too, if you were like this decision's being made in six months. What should we do? <laughs> um I'm, but I'm I'm answering it under the assumption that this decision has happened. Um, well, number one, and Sam has kind of alluded to this, but you you gotta talk to your husband. You have to you have to have an open and honest and vulnerable and potentially scary, but also you know it can be a warm, um, affirmation filled, great f- gratitude filled conversation about like I see what you want, I see what your parents are giving us. Here here's mm-hmm. my apprehensions and here's where I don't feel seen and heard in this decision in this huge decision making process. Um mm. but so so let's say this decision has, hasn't been made. I'm here to tell you it's not a permanent thing. It definitely doesn't have to be a permanent thing. You and your husband can can make a once you get on the same page, once you b- both feel like teammates in this, um, I think you could say, okay, we're going to stay here for the next two years. We're going to save money and we're going to find our dream house or whatever. You know, like uh, basically, mm-hmm. I, I I left this letter saying like, oh my god, I would never want to be in this situation. Number one, number two, we live in less than ideal living circumstances all the time. We are always, right. we are, we, you know, think about the the uh, shitty apartments I lived in in college or um, the roommates, the toxic roommates or, you know, or even like living in the house, the house that I live in now. You know, we have a, a wet basement. Haha, <laughs> lesbian joke. Um, <laughs> you know, like like there there are always ways in which our comfort is compromised. Right. And we and mm-hmm. why I'm bringing this up is not to say, like, this is totally cool and OK, but more to say we are incredibly capable and resilient. Um, we're capable of being in places that challenge us, um, not saying that this was an OK, not 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 saying that this was a consensual decision, not saying that this was not like Sam called it a slightly dick move. Um, but there's a way <laughs> in which that you can move in this life's life choice life circumstance that you've been put in that doesn't curse your relationship with your husband that doesn't taint the relationship with your family members um there's a way i'd love for you to say i'd love for you to have a hard honest conversation with your husband about the way this situation made you feel and just say listen i don't want to hurt relationships with the in-laws i don't want to you know I don't want to say no to this very generous gift, but I also don't feel like this is where I want to be in the long run. Can we, as a mm-hmm. team, make a plan to have this only be a temporary living situation? You know, and temporary could be five years. Temporary could be a decade, mm-hmm. you know, but we still, we we think of things in such permanence when nothing is permanent. Literally nothing is permanent. Right. Um, right. And I think there's a way for we way for you to gracefully accept this opportunity or this gift and also advocate for yourself for the future. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that's absolutely right. And I think, you know, that 
that fear that you have around becoming resentful of your husband, I think is a real one. And um, kudos to you for being, for naming mm-hmm. it before it happens, right? For, by being like, this might, this is a thing that I could definitely see <laughs> yeah. happening Maybe in the future. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and this is another thing that you can talk to your partner about. So, um, you know, how can you say to him something like, Hey, I'm making this decision with like a clear head to, to move in with, into this house. Um, and I'm really thankful for the opportunity. I'm so thankful for your parents for like setting us up in financially. And um, I I need to make sure that I know that or I feel seen that this is a, like a sacrifice that I'm making or like this is a compromise that I'm making and that you appreciate it as well. Right. Like I'm appreciative of you and your family, but I also need you to be to sort of see what I'm yes. bringing to this yeah. as well. Um. And I need, I'm thankful for you. And I also need you to be thankful for me for like agreeing to do this thing that I don't really feel great about. Yeah. Um, so that it doesn't become uh he thinks everything's hunky dory and you're over there in the corner sort of seething that no one is seeing all of the work that you're right. doing because it is not money or it's not, um, you know, it's not like physical things, yeah. but you're doing, you're going to be doing a lot of emotional work if you decide to move into this house. Um, the other thing that I just want to say is like, it's certainly okay to not like your in-laws. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I feel like there's like a lot of yeah. guilt in your letter about like being like, his mom grates me. And it's like, yeah, of course she does. You didn't pick totally. her. She just like came along for the totally. ride. She's like a random stranger that you now have to spend a lot of totally. time with. And like, right. In a way that like any random stranger is probably going to grate on you. Like, you know, you didn't pick yeah. her. So like, maybe it's okay. Maybe the other it's general okay statement like is it's okay to have boundaries within a family. Cause you're told, you know, the letter mm-hmm. writer brings up the culture in families where you like, there's no privacy, there's no boundaries. Like I actually really, you and Peter um, mirror that really well for me is, is like saying no to, you know, like Peter will say, I want to stay home tonight or like I, you know, mm-hmm. or you'll say like, oh, you're going out with your your dad or something. I'm going to do my own thing. Um, that's sort of like given me a script or an example in my life that like as family doesn't have to be all self-sacrificing, especially for your in-laws. Like you said, you're just never going to have the same relationship with as your partner. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. And their expectations of you might be that you hang out with them all the time, but like those are yeah. their expectations, yeah. right? Like it's not, yeah, they, you don't have to adhere to them. Um, and so, yeah, I think being really intentional about some boundaries with them and making sure that you have a life outside of this neighborhood is also important. So like, you know, the friends that, do you have people that you work with that you can be friends with, that you can hang out with? Like finding a space for yourself outside of this this home. But, you know, my guess is, is that like you're going to move into this house um, and you're going to find a way to make it your own and you're going to find a way to make it your safe space because yeah. like that's what that's what we do. Yeah, treat, treat um, those, even if we're not in ideal conditions. Treat those neighbors, or excuse me, treat those in-laws like neighbors too. When you pull into mm-hmm. work and you see an, your in-law on the, on the, you know, steps or whatever on their porch, you can just say, hey, had a long day at work. Hope you're doing well. <laughs> yep. You know, like I don't, yep. I don't like... Cook dinners for my neighbors. <laughs> um, <laughs> Me neither. I know that it's more complicated than that, but like, there's a way to make this work. Um, 
that being said, you know, Sam, me, and my wife Willow were all like, oh, God, would never want to be in this situation. <laughs> so, like, please mm-hmm. feel, like, heard and affirmed and appreciated in that. Um, but we can do hard things, and this is not permanent. I know houses feel so permanent, but, like, they're not. They're totally not. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You can have some agency in in the decision-making in the future, especially if you and your husband start fully being transparent about the way this makes you feel. What do you appreciate? What are your goals? Etc. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, my darling. Thank you so much for writing, and we hope this helps. Thank you for writing. We love you. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually, so I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week, and every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karakal jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. (laughs) Stop wasting money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... 
Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. The next letter comes to us from Nervous Lesbian, whose pronouns are she, her, or they, them, who is writing to us from Chicago. Hey, y'all. First off, your show has been such a great resource for me, and I love hearing you both model healthy relationship dynamics, so thank you so much. I currently have been happily single for the past five years, getting to know myself, but am now in my late 20s with no idea how to date. I'm starting to try Hmm. to put myself out there again, but I'm struggling with how to be clear about my intentions with someone. I value friendship so much and don't think of it as, quote, less than a relationship. So it can be hard for me to distinguish what dynamic I want with a person because I'm truly just happy spending time with them in whatever capacity. This does, however, result in me never actually pursuing relationships with anyone because it's easier (laughs) to just settle into a friendship or quietly crushing on friends who are unavailable. I do want a relationship, though. So how do I establish early on that that's something I'm interested in without risking losing them completely in the process? For example, I finally put myself out there by asking an acquaintance on a picnic date. We went and talked for about an hour and a half and had a really good time, but I left unsure of if she read it as a date or not. In my head, I'm scared we're on totally different pages and she read it as just a friend hangout. And if I were to try to pursue something else, it would come off as creepy. How do I get out of this no man's land and date intentionally? Thank you so much for writing, Nervous Lesbian. Sam, you noted on the letter, like when when you read the letter and gave it to me, that we get a lot of questions like this. Yeah. Um, not necessarily like this specific instance, but we get a lot of letters from folks who are like, how do I date? <laughs> like, I've been single for a while, yeah. but I don't know how to do this thing yeah. anymore. So um just thought it would be good to like answer a question about it and talk about like how how do you date? Yeah. <laughs> how do you go about it? You know what the first thing that comes to mind is discomfort. <laughs> yeah. Just a general phrase yep. of discomfort and like I don't like that as a joke, but also what I mean by it is dating requires us to lean into a little bit of discomfort in order to reach higher levels of intimacy. Um, you know, mm. because You can appreciate friendships all day, every day. And also you can be afraid of losing those friendships. You can be afraid of being rejected or coming off as a creep. And so we don't lean into that discomfort of saying, hey, would you like to go on a date with me? I thought we could have a picnic in the park Mm -hmm. instead of a picnic date. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's Mm -hmm. a little bit of discomfort there. And you have to like, you have to be like, okay, fuck, I guess I'm going to just say explicitly what I'm thinking (laughs) and risk you not thinking the same thing. That's what it is. It's terrifying. (laughs) Yeah, no, it is. It is for sure. It's deeply uncomfortable. And it's important to remember that everyone else is in that discomfort. Yes. Right. Like the story that we tell ourselves of like, we're uniquely unable to do something isn't true. And like people, people who are dating for the first time after five years in of singledom and people who are have been dating for the last 10 years are all making it up as we go along, <laughs> right? Like there's no, it's not like there's like a handbook. It's not like there's 
there's particular ways of doing totally. things that are going to wield instant success. Oh, totally. It is about like trying to figure out how to communicate with each other, how to get our um, ideas known to other people and like hear their ideas. Like it is about sort of coming together as people in relationship with each other and trying to figure each other out, yeah. which is like really challenging and uh, complicated and uncomfortable. Um, and everyone that is dating is going through some level of that discomfort and then is winging it in, in some capacity for exactly. sure. Exactly. And let's talk our anxiety down off of the, like the spiky cliff that it's always on. That is, it's always like hanging over that like scary abyss. Um, if your anxiety was like an abyss, what sort of like mystical creatures would be in it? Like that you would, you're afraid to fall into. Oh God. <laughs> Something with like a lot of teeth and like claws. Mine would just be all teeth. Um, it would be like a it'd be like an, an abyss of like gnashing teeth. <laughs> yeah, and it would also be like really loud. Yeah. Oh no, no. I take it back. My yours would be teeth. Mine would be people like laughing at me. Like in a cruel <laughs> in a cruel way. Or like whispering about Legit. me. Oh my God. Mm, oh, that's real. Yeah. That's real. Okay. So um let's talk this anxiety off of that non-existent ledge and say and tell ourselves what is the worst thing that could happen if they didn't if they rejected our our advances or if it was a friend who we said I feel more than friendly towards you and they said I don't reciprocate those feelings let's brainstorm mm-hmm. what are, what are some of the worst things that could happen you lose that friendship yeah you would feel embarrassed you would feel rejected Mm-hmm. It would be, it would hurt. It would be really sad and physically painful yeah. as rejection often yeah. is. <laughs> None of these things are permanent. Even mm-hmm. the lost friendship thing, like maybe that friendship would evolve, but like with the right nurturing, with the right respect, I think that, I think that that friendship could be maintained. I've maintained friendships with people who sure. have like confessed feelings for me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Sam, yep. one of them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, uh, uh, but I also think we can talk about what's the best thing right. that's going to happen right. out of this, right. right? Like, what are the good things? Like, this person could be like, oh, my God, I've been waiting for you to ask yes. me. And, like, I really like you, too. And then you, like, do all of the things that you want to do in your relationship. Yeah. And it is, like, a resounding and wonderful, healthy thing for yeah. you. Um. Which is like awesome. Like those are those are really, really amazing benefits that could come yeah. from doing this thing. And it seems like if you're doing a, a cost benefit analysis yeah. of this, like the 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 high risk reality of no, rejection low risk, is high reward. Sad. That's what I want to say. Low yeah, risk, absolutely. High re- low I, I want to talk about those risks one more like for one more second is like, okay, so so you feel embarrassed or like you feel mm-hmm. rejected. But are those real feelings of embarrassment and rejection? We tend to put names on, mm. like big names on these feelings, especially when they're fear-based and we haven't actually felt them yet. But in reality, mm. like maybe if you if you approach it with the mindset of like whether or not this person wants me or reciprocates their feelings, I'm still wantable, lovable, attractive, and I'm being brave and vulnerable by putting myself out there and I'm risking this great thing. Maybe we'll get this great thing, but maybe we don't. But it's not like mm-hmm. like if we if we prep ourselves and tell ourselves that this this 
discomfort, this risk and this like risking the feelings of rejection or or whatever, um, it's worth the even the negative outcomes because the negative outcomes don't define me. They don't. They're not real. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. For me, I think I I. I avoided a lot of discomfort and a lot of those feelings because I allowed those feelings to fill the room. I allowed them to define me, but they don't. Okay, so one person Mm -hmm. in the world, this one person or this group of people, I don't know if you're feeling like I'm always rejected. Okay, so these group of, let's say, 20 fucking people, they don't reciprocate your feelings. Okay, cool. That still doesn't define you. That still doesn't mean you're unlovable. That just means those 20 mm-hmm. people are not for you. And there's an infinite right. amount, of, amount of people out there. There's an infinite amount of love. Well, at least seven, seven billion. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, you're right. Um, and, and I don't mean that in like a nihilistically positive way. I just mean like, let's disempower what tries to make us feel so small. Like, yeah, so they for reject sure. us. I'm totally capable of feeling rejected and also saying like, you know what, that person has a right to their feelings. That person made that choice for a myriad of reasons that probably doesn't have anything to do with my actual self, you know, Um, and not everybody is for me. They have a right to reject me just like everybody else does. I know I'm like staying on the negative a little bit too long, but like I was I'm so afraid of those feelings. But like it's like, what if you disappoint someone? (laughs) What if they don't want to kiss you? It's like. Why am I making this out to be a, a pit of gnashing teeth when it's not? <laughs> For sure. No, absolutely. And like your fear of the thing doesn't mean that the thing's not going to happen. Yes. Right? Like you're going to walk yes. through this life and be rejected no matter how afraid yeah. of it you are. <laughs> like It's like the thing, like it's like when like getting a shot too. It's like, yeah, the shot's going to hurt. Like it is like there's there's no denying <laughs> yeah. it. So you can either sort of like be upset about the idea of the shot and sort of have this like fear and anxiety of it. But that doesn't mean the shot's not going to hurt. Right. So it's like if you know if you know that life is full of disappointment, of life is full of rejection, and to be clear, full of excitement, full of joy, full of amazing connections we can have yeah. with people. I don't want to just like <laughs> harp on the negative. Totally. Um, then it becomes easier to move through the world knowing that it's going to happen, right. right? Because we're not spending all of our energy trying to prevent it from happening because you can't. You cannot prevent it from happening. You are always going to be disappointed. You are always going to be rejected by people. So how can you do it in a way that also leans into the the, the abundance of the universe that exists to say like, yes, rejection happens, but also amazing connections with people happen and disappointment happens, but also people fall in love literally every day. Like people are in amazing, healthy relationships, despite the odds, right. despite the fact that we're all like fucked up humans who are like moving through this world, constantly hurting each other. <laughs> like like the fact that there is amazing love relationship connection out there is just so amazing. And the fact that it comes in the face of our deep fear of rejection, our deep fear of disappointment means that like we are so amazing as people to be able to like find those connections. Yeah. So what I'm saying to you is talk to this person and tell them you want to date them. <laughs> yeah, it's worth it. You're worth it. And you're also capable of handling any of those outcomes. Um, I think maybe yes. like one tangible thing I would say is I started with the with the discomfort. I'm going to ask you to lean into it a little by being explicit. Like... Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't know if it was a date if you told me a picnic date. I want to say, I want to take you on a date. <laughs> Would you like to go on a date with me? Mm-hmm. 
cool, you do? Let's go on a picnic. <laughs> and I'm not dragging sure, you on that right? one. Like, are you kidding? Like, the majority of my relationships were wildly vague for the first three to six weeks. But... <laughs> Mine were never. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. <laughs> what are we? <laughs> Literally. Yeah. It's like, hey, I want to date you. Are you okay yeah, with that? But can that's we go good. on a date? That's, like... but, but also... <laughs> We've gotten so many letters of people who are like, I'm in a situationship. This is vague. What should I do? Let's not be that. Let's be the opposite of that, especially when we're talking about our intentions and our desires. Like, there's no reason to Mm -hmm. lessen them because we're nothing to be ashamed of. Rejection is nothing to be ashamed of. Somebody saying, like, I don't feel the same way about us or about you is that is okay. We've all been rejected. Let me tell you about the times that Mm -hmm. I've given people my phone number and I never heard from those people again. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> that one, um, I totally regret giving him my number because, like, I was just drunk. Um, and he was, like, a very good bartender. <laughs> but this bartender at the Red Stag mm. in Minneapolis uh, looked like oh. he could be in, like, a pop punk emo band. But also, like, probably boring in bed. Um, anyway... <laughs> I'm not bitter. <laughs> I can be rejected by somebody. <laughs> this poor bartender's like, all I did was I get a numbers all the time. <laughs> yeah, totally. Was probably in a relationship. I'm fine. <laughs> um, but this is just to say, like, we're all rejected. Like, it's that's that's what I want to disempower here. Um, and then I want to empower you, um, nervous lesbian, um, to put yourself out there. And and the mantra mm-hmm. should be. Um, I can do all of this. I can handle all of this. I can handle being rejected and I yes. can handle putting myself out there um, mm-hmm. because we're capable and we deserve it. We deserve connection. Absolutely. You are infinitely capable. You are. This is this is nothing compared to the things that you are capable of. Yeah. All right, my darling. We hope this helps. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. OK, our third and final letter comes from Nanya Business. Uh, whose pronouns are he and him, who is writing from the middle of nowhere, USA. One of my favorite names in a long time, for some reason, because it's fun. Absolutely. It's fun to say. <laughs> this is it's a it is a classic Peter joke of when he's on the phone. I say, "Who who are you talking to?" And he goes, "Nanya." Like, <laughs> <laughs> so your dad is that yeah, who yeah, you're talking yeah, to? Yeah, yeah. All right, Nanya writes. I, male 29, have been with my husband, 32, male, for five years in a monogamous relationship. When we met, we both had established our careers, had stable housing, had our own friend groups and interests. He was so kind, and we were always able to communicate openly. Basically, everything you could ever dream of for an adult relationship. After being together for two years, we moved to a very remote community to be closer to his family. I enjoy where we live as we have easy access to tons of outdoor activities and the cost of living is super low. We both have our master's degrees and have been able to really move upwards in our careers here. We have both wanted children and have been on the same page on just about every life topic. My husband has a very public job and is loved by the community. However, behind closed doors, our marriage has become a dumpster fire. One of the biggest problems is that since we got married, my husband has become an alcoholic. Mm. He has been drunk every day for at least the last six months. He has lost all libido and the drinking has exacerbated his mental health problems. He is a counselor by training and has zero self-awareness about all of this or how his alcohol abuse is impacting so many parts of his life. He doesn't even identify his drinking as a coping skill, let alone that it is problematic. He makes plans where he promises he will stop drinking after X event, but that never happens. And he just comes up with a new plan or promise to stop. 
We had the opportunity to move forward with surrogacy, but I wouldn't unless he actually stopped drinking, which never happened, and that opportunity fell through. He finally agreed to marriage counseling, and we attend we attended every week for six months before my husband decided that he wasn't going to go anymore because he felt like he was getting attacked. During this time, he also went on medication to help curb his alcohol consumption, and he got diagnosed with low testosterone and started taking replacement therapy. When he stopped his counseling, he also stopped his other two medications. Even while on all of his medications, he is erratic and explosive, blowing up at me over minuscule things. The worst was that he was running late to work because he was hungover and was having car troubles. Apparently, I didn't move fast enough, so he told me that he hoped I went home and killed myself. Now we are just living in the standoff. Neither of us is speaking to the other and sleeping in separate bedrooms. I have recently opened up to friends about some of the problems, and there has been an outpouring of support. Also, every friend I have talked to has said I should leave him ASAP. And I would give the same advice to any of my friends. Even reading this back to myself, I keep questioning mm. why someone would stay in this relationship. But I just can't bring myself to actually leave him. I have come up with all sorts of reasons, some of them real, like where will I live? But I know I am just prolonging the inevitable. I feel my biological clock ticking and feel like it will be impossible or too late to start my life over again and have all the things I want in life, like children. I thought that this was an issue of head versus heart, but I am starting to realize that my heart really isn't this relationship, even though I love him and care about him deeply. I worry about what will happen to him if there isn't someone around to clean up after his drunkenness. I know that I need to look out for myself and do what's best for me, but I just can't. Help me understand why I am paralyzed by this. Mm, thank you so much for writing and for sharing this very vulnerable and difficult situation that you're in. Um, I just want to say this is hard and we know it's hard. And Sam and I see you in the really complicated humanity that is in this um, letter. And I want to think, I think I want to start by saying, um, like Sam always kindly reminds us, like we're not the most fucked up person. Um, you know, we think we're more fucked up than, than other people. Um, and, and in the same vein, like we all stay in relationships, hard relationships all the time for a myriad of reasons. We we stay in hard reason, hard relationships because we love the person. We stay in hard relationships because we are hoping that they change. We stay in hard relationships because we don't have other. It would change our life so insurmountably that like we're not prepared for that. We don't know how to make you know, how do you eat an elephant sort of thing? Um, and so you're not uniquely fucked up in this. And in fact, like, I think you're doing what you need to do right now. Like, maybe mm -hmm. that's a different way to look at it. You're thinking really hard about this. You're feeling out every crevice and corner of, of your emotions and your feelings about this. And you're thinking about every option. Um, and you're considering you're considering your partner, your partner who you love, who is suffering right now. And you're also prioritizing yourself and and being honest, prioritizing honesty by saying like, I don't know if my heart's in it anymore, right? Um, so mm -hmm. let's let's reframe it from saying like I'm paralyzed, I don't know what to do, to saying your words, you know, to saying I am exactly where I need to be. Mm -hmm. I'm figuring out what I need to do next. It's sometimes we need mm -hmm. to remind us that like, sometimes we need the reminder that it's okay to take time, that huge decisions, yeah. huge life changes, even small ones. Fuck. Like 
take time, right? Sometimes the tr- the the next step is not an easy choice, nor is it easily revealed to us. So right now, you are mm. exactly where you need to be, questioning exactly what you need to question. I also think that it makes a lot of sense to me that you may not be feeling super in touch with what you need or what you want in this situation, because it sounds like you've been spending a whole lot of time trying to take care of your husband, right? You've been really him focused for the past few years, ever since this sort of alcoholism started again, mm-hmm. and you've been you've been cleaning up after him and and caretaking. Um, it absolutely makes sense to me that that falling into a place where you're like, wait a minute, but what space do I need to take up in this relationship? Mm-hmm. Or what do I need out of this might be really challenging. You like you might be really unpracticed in it because you've been spending a lot of time really caretaking for your husband. And um, I want you to know that the caretaking you're, you have been doing um, isn't working, not because you haven't tried hard enough or because you haven't done the right thing, but because your husband is in such a place that the caretaking is actually not helping him right now, right? right? The caretaking is, is allowing him to continue doing the things that he's doing without facing the consequences of them, right? Right, And consequences are how we learn. So this idea that you, you're you really worried about what's going to happen to him when you stop being around to clean up after him is 100% legit. Right. Like that is a really, really real fear. And often the thing that we need is to have someone stop cleaning up after us so that we can really face the place that we're actually in and not the false place that the people around us have been keeping us in. Right. Even as we've hurt them and we've we've destroyed relationships and we've told them to go kill themselves like that. That is such a hurtful, hurtful thing that your husband said to you. And I want you to know that we see it. We see how deeply hurtful that is. And I don't think it's acceptable. I don't think it's acceptable behavior for him to be doing with you. You didn't deserve it. And and you didn't ask for it. And it's not your job to just take it on the chin. Right. It's really not. So, yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to pretend like things probably for him aren't going to get worse when you leave. I think that that is probably what's going to happen. And I think that there are ways that you can you can sort of set him up in a way that hopefully he'll be able to weather through that storm. But it's not your job to fix it. It's not your job to to sort of prevent him from hurting himself and others. Right. You're you're not a licensed mental health professional. You are not a licensed um, addiction AA counselor. Right. Like you are you're a person. You're his husband. Like you also need love and support that he's not giving you because of this thing that's happening. So. Yeah, I think things might get worse for him, but it is also an opportunity for him to really look at what's happening in his life and and the choices that he's making that are contributing to that as well. So I know that sucks. Like, I wish that I didn't have to say that. And I wish I could say you could love him into health, like that you could just love him enough to to get him to stop doing these things that, you know, are harming him and you. Um but unfortunately, like, that's not the way that the world works. And yeah. It sucks. And I wish it weren't true. But I I have to be honest with that because I also have to be honest with myself about that. And having spent 30 years of my life trying to caretake for a, a person who was not caretaking for himself, um, that I tried my best for those 30 years and it still didn't work. Yeah, it still totally. wasn't. It still didn't fix him. So, yeah, just want to. If that's like the 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 thing that people are going to put on my tombstone of like Sam's the asshole that says you can't love people enough to fix them. 
But you're right. I mean, it wouldn't be a tombstone movie like a billboard. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I think I think any addiction counselor would agree that there has to be that your husband has to has to own this choice. You can't love him into sobriety. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk a little bit about this anxiety you're feeling about like your biological clock and your life goals and things like that. And I'm going to say something that like, you're not going to maybe love, but like, (laughs) you know, now is not the time to be planning out the rest of your life. I know we feel like Mm. it is, you know, and my anxiety would do the same thing. I remember when I was fucking, I was dumped at 31 or whatever, and been like, oh, my God, I'm never going to. Uh, what am I doing with my life? What am I doing with my mm-hmm. life? And, oh, my God, I have to put myself back out there and doing X, Y and Z. Uh, you know that I'm not even going to talk about like scarcity and abundance in this because I know it's hard to hear those things when you're only feeling scarcity and when the universe only shows you scarcity, right? You know, it's that's n- that's not always like comforting advice. But what I want to do, what I honestly, what I think of here is that um, that really powerful thing your therapist told you right after your dad died, which is now is mm-hmm. not a time for like growth, but it's a time for survival, right? For mm-hmm. general mm-hmm. maintenance, right? Is that what it was? <laughs> yep. Um, yep. So now is not the time you like relieve yourself of the pressure to have it all figured out. Let me tell you, nobody has it all figured out. Even the people who are on track, even the people who have hit their quote unquote life goals, you know, we, none of us, none of us are in control, right? There's no, there's no way that you can plan your way into the perfect life that you want. And that might be fucking terrifying. Like that terrifies me right now in this moment. Um, But at least you could in in this very complicated like heart pained situation relieve yourself of having to have the answers um you could stay up all night saying like am i going to have children am i going to find a partner again is my partner going to get sober am i hurting them by leaving them all of these answers like you don't have you don't have an answer to you don't have a you don't have control over um and so mm-hmm. can you relieve yourself of that um that's some like serious therapy work that like I obviously like can't back up because I'm not a trained professional but right now I like I guess I want to just say you know what if you never had children I, I, I not to say that your life wouldn't not to say that that wouldn't be deeply disappointing but like that's not something that you need to have on your plate right now, I guess. Right now is a time of survival and maintenance and figuring out what you need right now. What do you need right now? What boundaries yep. do you need and what love do you need right now to get to a safer, more sustainable place? Um, and that could be saying to your husband, I'm going to move out um, and we're going to be on a break and we're going to see I want you to see how serious I'm about this. And then I'm going to I'm going to feel I'm going to check how I feel in a couple months and then I'm going to move forward with either a separation or we're going to move forward with couples counseling or something like that, right? That's the now, mm. right? Your anxiety wants you to be in the future in the things that you cannot control. You cannot control um you cannot like uh leapfrog your way to the to a perfect life right now. Right now, you can just prioritize yourself. Right now. What do you need right now? 
Do you need to drink some water? Do you need to talk to your friends? Do you need to like put some boundaries uh-huh. up and actually make some changes and choices in your life that are going to impact your ultimate happiness? I feel like I'm, I'm sure. like a huge negative Nancy after that um, speech. So I just want to say like a general like sorry. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and I don't mean to sound like harsh by saying like, you know, we we may never have children or we may, you know, I'm just, I think what I would want to hear back when I got out of a relationship at 31 or whatever and thought, oh my God, what do I do? Who am I? How could I, you know, how do I start over? Is that if someone had like taken me lovingly by the shoulders and said, what do you need right now? Because that's what it's about Mm -hmm. is setting up the, Mm -hmm. the now choices that actually give us the more long-term sustainable happiness. What are you, what is your now choice? Don't get into the future. You can't control any of that right now. You can control the now. Yeah, absolutely. And and focusing on that now allows you to take the steps that you need to, right? Like, you know, where am I going to live? Okay. Where am I going to live? Yeah. Period. Right? Like in this moment. Okay, what let's let's figure it out. Where am I going to live? Who can I talk to? Can I stay on somebody's couch? Is there an apartment that I can rent? Whatever it is, like what are the things that I need to do now? And I also just want to remind you too that you you know, you're afraid that you're not going to get you know, out once you are out there, that you're not going to get the things that you need or the things that you want out of a relationship. But I also want to remind you that you're not getting the things that you need or want out of this relationship either. Right? Right? you know, this, this possibility of children, you had it in front of you and it, and it was gone, right? Because the priority wasn't the children, the priority was the drinking. So like, it's just, I want to remind you, I want you to sort of, I want to take off the, the blinders that you might be having on or, or the things that are sort of skewing your vision and say like, you're in a relationship that isn't giving you the things that you want or the things that you need. And it's requiring a lot of work from you. Right. And so like, yeah, it's scary out there, but it's also scary in here, it, in this relationship, it's not going well either. So like giving up this relationship doesn't mean that you have to give up a future, but I also don't want you to, to sort of be um, uh, not looking at the fact that this relationship isn't giving you the things that you need either. Yeah. This relationship isn't giving you children, isn't giving you love and stability. Yeah. It is any more than... Being single would. Yeah. So like, you're digging that well it's and just, there's no water there. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's hard, right? This this transition out of something that is like really familiar that you've been in for a long time and that you, you know, have done a lot of like legal stuff to solidify in terms of getting married and living together and all of that is really challenging. And people do it every single day. Right. People break up every single day and they figure it out. And you have the capacity in you to figure this out. Right. You have it. You are infinitely capable. And this is something that you are very much capable of. So like Sierra said, focused on today and say, what do I need to do in this moment? What are your next three now choices? My next three now Mm -hmm. choices, if I was like sitting listening to this, would be like, um, secure a temporary new place to live. And I mean temporary because like, um, and like, like Sam said, your husband kind of, you're loving your husband, being present and cleaning up his messes right now isn't helping him either. Um, and so mm-hmm. what do you need? You need space. So is there a temporary place you can live? Um, is there somebody's house you can crash at for a couple of weeks? 
Um, what is your now? What are your now needs? What's, you know, number two now need? I need to um, have a really hard, vulnerable conversation with my husband about how I'm feeling, that I'm at the end of my rope. There's no more rope left. And if he wants there to be mm-hmm. more rope, he needs to go buy more rope and make it, <laughs> you know, like string and make a little rope, <laughs> you know, like, like you're at the For end sure. of the rope, you're at, you're at a tipping point and he either needs to put life into this relationship to remind you why you're in it or there's no more life in the relationship. Um, and my number three mm-hmm. need is my now need is that I want to reach out to a therapist or I want to. I need to eat a really good meal with friends that can mm-hmm. listen to me and help me hash out these these now choices. Write down three mm-hmm. now choices for me right now. And and remember that beyond now doesn't matter yet. You're in the maintenance. You're in the survival mode. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I know that this feels really big and really huge and sort of impossible. Yeah. But I also want to tell you that it is infinitely possible yeah. that this transition is you're going to be able to do it. And you're, I want to also just say that you are, um, you're so fortunate to have friends that want to support you and totally. to have a network and to be in a job that you love, right? There are lots of good things that are happening in your life as well that are going to help you make this transition even easier. Um, not that it's going to be easy, but it's going to help you support you and scaffold you throughout this, this transition. Um, and so rely on those things, right? Reach out to those friends for help. Um, Find that place to stay tonight or for the next week or for the next month. Um, Know that you have a network of support and love around you that are going to help you through this transition and that want to see you happy and in a place that is actually uh, nutritious for you. And and that's going to support you and your goals. Totally. Um, Also, like just really to the the dumpster fire behind closed door things like that's almost the only way dumpster fires exist in relationships. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking seriously, like we we know of the loud in your face toxic relationships that their toxicity spills out publicly, but the majority of mm-hmm. toxicity is behind closed doors. So don't think that you're the most fucked up relationship on your block because you're not. Everybody deals right. with their own shit privately more than they ever deal with it publicly. Um, this is nothing to be ashamed of. And the people in your community... Um, I mean, like, fuck them if they think twice about this. That's all. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> all yeah, right. Just like, get out of here. Who cares? <laughs> um, we love you so much. Thank you so much for writing. All right, everyone. This brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. This is when we try and send you home with something that we really like. So this week we want to set you up with. Hey, it is the week of Thanksgiving, so I'm going to uh, encourage you all to do one of the following things um, that have to do with your local food bank or your local food shelf um, or food pantry, whatever people call them. Um, Number one, I want to encourage you to donate to your local food pantry. Um, This is like a really easy way to give back to your community. Um, It's something that Willow and I do regularly and um, from working with our local um, food bank, we've been really surprised and amazed um, by the number of people in our community who utilize that resource. Um, It's Mm. humbling and it's... uh, yeah, it's just you. more people than you would ever imagine um, take advantage of that resource. I um, mean, it's such a great and easy, low-impact way to contribute to um, the wellness of your community. 
Number two thing is to volunteer for that food bank. A lot of times people get, like especially around the holiday, these food banks get huge, huge um, donations from local um, other communities, local grocery stores, people like me, you know, and they need help organizing you know, like Willow will volunteer at this food bank once a month and she goes in and like half of the time they just have her like unpacking produce, <laughs> you know, big, huge mm-hmm. b- boxes of produce or um, sorting through things and um, making sure that they are not expired or and, and unpackaging bananas and things like that. Um, people need those. Those food banks need easy hands, you know, um, mm-hmm. and. I want to push our community because, like, I know for me, when I first started volunteering, I was a little nervous. It's uncomfortable to change up your routine. It's uncomfortable to give away one of your evenings at home when you'd rather, mm-hmm. like, be home and recharge because we know the world is really fucked up right now. Um, and I just want to push us to, le- to lean into that discomfort to give back to our community if we can, in whatever way we can, and this is a really easy way to do it. So the number two thing is to volunteer, you know, give them a couple, I think like two hours every once a month or whatever is what we do. Um, and number three is to take advantage of your local uh, food shelf if you need it. These resources are there for mm. people and there's nothing to be ashamed of if you want to make sure that you and your loved ones are fed and taken care of during this season we all go through ebbs and flows in, you know, what it means to be prosperous and what it means to um, take care of ourselves. And there's no shame in taking advantage of a community resource like that. The purpose of that community resource is that we want us all to be well, wellness, right? And we all deserve wellness, whether you're poor, whether you're in debt, whether you're a college student, whether you're employed, whether you're unemployed, we all deserve wellness. So in this time mm. of community and what's, what seems like apparent abundance, I want to encourage us to give back to our community and also lean on our community when we need it. Mm. That's great. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our holiday sale going on this entire week, uh, November 22nd to the 29th, 30... Let's see if I can do this. 20% off $30, 30% off off 60 orders of $60 or more, and um, 40% off orders of $90 or more. We've got t-shirts, sweatshirts, tote bags, pint glasses, mugs, stickers, magnets, all sorts of adorable Just Break Up merchandise at JustBreakUpPod.com. Please leave us a five-star rating and review and follow us wherever you get your podcasts and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, You'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, producing all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis, a.k.a. Big Cats, who celebrated, him and his wife celebrated their 10-year wedding anniversary this (laughs) week. So uh, send them some good vibes out into the universe for that congratulations spencer and katie um and make sure to check out spencer's music on spotify under the name big cats and remember it's okay to ask for help 
It's okay to lean on your community, to be transparent and honest with your friends, even when your honesty might show a less than perfect picture. It's okay to say, hey, I don't know what the next step is right now. I don't know what to do. I'm in a transition, and part of a transition is the unknown. Part of a transition is to say, this is where I am right now, and I'm figuring out my next steps. I don't know what they are yet, but it's okay to be in the in-between. We don't have to have it all figured out all at once. And if all else fails. Just break up. 